0: Support our programming at patreon.com slash rebelforceradio. Become a patron and your contributions can help unlock bonus shows from RFR, online hangouts with the Rebel Force Radio crew, and more. Say it loud and say it proud. Support Rebel Force Radio. Click on the Patreon banner at rebelforceradio.com or visit patreon.com slash rebelforceradio. Rebel Force Radio is brought to you in part by Little Debbie Snacks, bakers of all galactic goodness, like mini donuts, Star Crunch, Cosmic Cupcakes, Cosmic Brownies, Nutty Bars, and much more. Little Debbie, official snack of Rebel Force Radio and fans around the galaxy. Dorksidetoys.com. For the latest Star Wars action figures, Marvel, G.I. Joe, and more, visit Dorksidetoys.com. Dorksidetoys.com. From Tops comes the all-new digital card collecting app, Star Wars Card Trader. For the first time ever, collect and trade everything from legendary 1977 Star Wars cards to new cards featuring exclusive content from Star Wars Episode VII, The Force Awakens. All from the comfort of your mobile device. Star Wars Card Trader. These are the cards you're looking for.
1: Rebel Force Radio presents... This is Master Obi-Wan Kenobi. I regret to report that both our Jedi Order and the Republic have fallen.
0: This is Star Wars Rebels Declassified. I like the sound of that. A roundtable discussion about Star
1: Wars Rebels. Pretty
0: gutsy move, kid.
1: I am the Inquisitor.
2: We're busted.
1: Chopper, get us out of here.
0: Now it's time for Star Wars Rebels
2: declassified. Oh, it's getting deep here, are Star Wars Rebels. We're starting to tackle some of the big issues, the big mysteries in this era of Star Wars, and I, I just it couldn't have come at a better time for me. I have to be honest; i was I was starting to to doze a little bit. I mean, there's it's always full of action, but, uh, you know, we got spoiled with Clone Wars where it allowed us to kind of get a little bit more in-depth with the cosmic nature of the Force and all of that. And it's just nice to see those types of big ideas coming back into uh, episodic Star Wars, as far as the television series goes here, uh, with Rebels. And uh, we're going to break it all down for you here on... Rebels Declassified, we are talking about Shroud of Darkness, episode 16 here of season two, Star Wars Rebels, original air date, March 2nd, 2016. And uh, really happy to be here talking about this episode, especially when I have my good friend and yours from Chicago, Jimmy Mack with me. Hey, Jason. Hey, Star Wars Rebels fans. This episode
0: makes me think about a Dave Filoni sitting in his office and signing off on the script for this episode, brilliantly written by Henry Gilroy, and Dave is—he's looking at the script and he's finally got it. They have it fine-tuned exactly where they want it. And he sits back, he rubs his hands together, and he goes, "Ah, those Rebel Force Radio guys are gonna have a field day with this one." And you know what? We certainly are. And Star Wars fans everywhere are gonna have a field day with this one because it. Answers questions in a way that promotes many more questions, you know, just via the answers. We're, we're hearing things. We're seeing things in this episode that I think is taking us into some uncharted Star Wars territory when we're talking about the big picture and more specifically the force itself and the nature of how the force works.
2: I definitely think so. And uh, with, with these big questions in this big picture, we need big Guests here on the round table, and we got them, including Adam Bray coming back to us here on Rebel Force Radio. Uh, Adam, a uh, Star Wars author, as uh, Jimmy was just saying uh, just a few minutes ago, uh, author of about, I don't know, 25, 30, 40, 50, 60 Star Wars books, and that's just this year. Yeah. Uh, Adam. <laughs> but he's, he's uniquely qualified to talk about Star Wars Rebels because he wrote the, the visual guide. For Star Wars Rebels. In addition, he also helped write Ultimate Star Wars, uh, absolutely everything you need to know about Star Wars, and uh, has some other projects coming out, uh, including a uh, Lego Star Wars Chronicles of the Force book. Uh, Adam, great to have you back here on Rebel Force Radio.
3: Hey, guys. Thanks so much for having me. I'm I'm really excited about this particular episode, and I'm so so excited that you guys asked me to come on for this particular one because I think we've really got a nexus of storytelling here that's going to take us to some really important places that tie a lot of things together, both inside and outside of Rebels. And I can also say one thing I'm really happy about is usually because of writing these visual guides I know a lot, about what's going to happen so i have to be really careful about speculating but actually because you brought me here at this point in the season i don't know how the season's ending so i can feel really free to speculate away without getting myself into any kind of trouble so well that's good i'm excited to be able to say what i want finally
2: we like to do many things with our guests but not incriminate them (laughs) uh, And uh, also, rounding out the roundtable, we thought about a Carbonite. We haven't talked to him in a while, but he's back, and we're so glad to have him. Uh, Spencer Brinkerhoff, the third uh, Star Wars uh, and uh, just general all-around artist and a great guy. Great to have you back, Spencer. Jason, Jimmy. Jimmy. We're home. <laughs> we are, home. you know. And if you go around, the, you know, you, the, I, I, Spence, I think a lot of people know you about two two things. When I when I think of Spencer Brinkerhoff, I think of two things. One, I think of the uh, uh, the lightsabers that you use the little uh, prop oh, yeah. lightsabers that you can, you came up with that people can hold and and take photos with with their cell phones, oh, yeah. and it makes it look like you are actually holding a real glowing lightsaber so yes. right
1: right when well you, you know what we we i like to call them a light stick so that way uh i don't have to like worry about licensing because it it can be a laser beam <laughs> laser you know, sword be a, a, even? a gun a laser sword maybe a heat vision or a power ring but right. you know but what's that other thing that you think about when <laughs> when you think about it? you the, said the car from
2: smoky and the bandit oh He's yeah oh yeah wheels are rolling the Boom. car from Smokey and the you know, because I, I was thinking about you, they, they have the big, um, and I'm not a car guy, but they had the big uh, auction, the car auctions, they, and this thing is so big that they put it on ESPN, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. And the big prize this year, uh, the car that everybody wanted to see was one of the cars from Smokey and the Bandit. The, the man himself, Burt Reynolds, was there on hand uh, as the bids were coming in, and it was, I believe, one right. of three um, promo Vehicles yes. that was used in the promotion yes. of the film. But you actually own one of these, right? Well, yeah.
1: What happened is
2: uh, the cars that
1: were used in the film, just like any of the cars on the Dukes of Hazard, were completely smashed. And they couldn't ever use them again. And so for the 30th anniversary of the movie, uh, they teamed up with Year One Automotive out of Atlanta, Georgia. And they rebuilt the Bandit. And, uh, and what they did is they made the Burt Reynolds Edition Trans Am. And then they uh, gave one of those promo cars away. And uh, to win it, you just had to tell Burt Reynolds why you deserved it. And so I made a video, and I, I talked about – well, I didn't say anything at all. I just you know, showed him my sweet driving skills, and, uh, and, and I won the car. <laughs> That's can amazing. The, can we see the video anywhere online? Yeah, it's on, it's on YouTube. Um, I think that my YouTube channel is youtube.com slash studios b3 and the name of the video is spencer's trans (laughs) ambition
0: perfect perfect and burt yeah he
1: uh i didn't get to meet him but he did sign the car and uh and when they interviewed him about sort of the contest he said we saw a lot of great videos out there but spencer proved that he can really drive the car and, uh, and just kind of like to, to pull the shroud off of that. I wasn't actually driving a car. I did a stop motion animation technique where I was just scooting along the ground, you know, like <laughs> one frame at a time. It, it was terribly uh, <laughs> sore when I was on the car. It was a but lot of work. But it paid
2: off, and you still it have did, the car, it, right? It,
1: um, it was it, it's part of a funny story is that I won the car. Um, I lost my full-time job and was having trouble finding a new job. And uh, that same time, I was contacted by Lucasfilm and asked if I was interested in producing a limited edition art print for the Star Wars celebration in Japan. And so I ended up taking some of the tax money that um, was also part of the prize and applying that to my trip to go to Japan to kick off a Star Wars career. So I kept the car for a year, and then I sold it at auction and... I'm a family man. My kids can't all fit in that car. And I was scared every time I drove it. And, and so, I mean, it, it can it, it can move, though. I mean, I had a But great... you drove
2: the bandit for a year. I mean, that's... Oh, yeah. Who, how many people can say that?
1: And and I, I drove it. I mean, the day that I got... <laughs> yeah. The day that I got uh, news that I was losing my job, I came home, you know, dropped off my box of the stuff from my desk. Uh, I, I told my wife, I said, I just need to... I just need to leave for a minute. And I, I got on the freeway, which was under construction. So I went to the end of the freeway, did the U and got back on and just opened it up. You know, And I looked down and I was about 105 and I thought, oh, I should not be doing this right now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know, I think of you and I think of Ernie Klein, who ended up buying a, a DeLorean because he was such oh, a fan yeah. of, uh, of Back to the... I think he bought I don't think he won wanted- it. I think he actually... I think he may have bought that, but uh, at any rate, it's great to have you all here, and thank you, uh, what thank a, what a great I, episode! I have to say, Yeah, it's great to have Spencer here because
0: for the first time ever, we have someone on RFR who is Burt Reynolds approved.
2: <laughs> I don't think that. Yeah, that's never. Adam, are you Burt Reynolds approved? No, I'm not. Uh, okay, how about Sally Field approved?
1: No. Okay, oh, all
2: yeah. right. That's not even that level. It, he, he hes- did hesitate. I think there's a story there somewhere. Just check, and see, and, if the, uh, and, check and see if the
1: hat is hanging on the uh, the, the CB antenna. <laughs> uh,
2: well, anyway, let's get into it. Uh, Shroud of Darkness. Uh, we kicked the, th- the episode off with uh, a face uh, to face battle between the fifth brother and uh, the seventh. Is it the seventh sister? I get that confused. All yeah, the, time. Yeah, the so. seventh yeah. sister and Canaan and and Ezra and. Um, you know they it's it's interesting because there there's time in this battle uh Jim, for a little bit of uh i don 't know maybe like you know Han and Luke style kind of bantering um, the stakes I, I know the stakes are high, but when I see that when I saw this face off, it seemed a little comedic, a little cartoony for me, so the episode started off, I thought um. I was a little underwhelmed. A little I just didn't think the stakes were all that high.
0: Well, and I think that really underscores the general impression I get from Star Wars fans regarding these two Inquisitors. It doesn't feel like they pose a threat to our heroes, the presence of these two. They seem like a nuisance. They seem like a fly that needs to be swatted off the arm. So I think as fans watching the show... We don't have confidence in them as villains. We think they're goons, stooges, totally disposable. What's the story with these guys? I guess as we learn more about the nature of the Inquisitors themselves, these guys have a little bit more value as characters. But for the most part, they come off as completely disposable stooges. On the, 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 the broad scale of Star Wars. And I'm not saying that as a critique. I'm saying that from the perspective we achieve by seeing things through Ezra's eyes or Kanan's eyes. No, these guys aren't threatened. When they boarded the Ghost after escaping, thanks to uh, Chopper and those uh, flying uh, stingrays, the, the Tibbodies.
2: Yeah. Tibbodies. Yeah.
1: yeah. The Tibbities the, the Hera's that. Hera's uh that's the ghost's uh boyfriend, yes. isn't it? Yes, <laughs>
2: that's
3: right. So the Tibbities. So um to be determined creatures. So that, that's oh, but, where they get their name.
2: Wait, 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 Dice, hold on, hold on. Dice, Is that true?
3: Awesome. It, yeah, yeah. I I had read that somewhere. I think it's on StarWars.com. Oh. That they started out TBD uh because right. they didn't didn't know what to call them. And so that it just evolved <laughs> into that.
0: It's <That's> brilliant. <laughs> That is absolutely brilliant, um, but the the timidity. So, um, did you guys? Did you see Zeb's reaction to hearing the news that they ran into Inquisitors when when they got back on the ship? Zeb was cleaning his his bow rifle, and they walked in and said, "We ran into Inquisitors." He's like, eh, "Whatever," you know. I mean, really, he was just he could care less. they these guys are just pests. They're not even. Um, I mean. Just We don't have confidence in their abilities to actually cause a threat to the heroes in this show. And, I, you know, I don't think that that's even necessarily their role. I mean, we're going to find that they are disposable. Maybe in this episode we saw the absolute end of these two. I'm still... I don't we even, don't know. They kind of just
1: disappeared, right, in a ball of light. I don't know what to think about. I don't know.
2: Do we want to jump to the end so soon? (laughs) No. Well, well, no. I don't think we do. But I mean, I think that it's. I think that Jim raises a a point that is the, you know, is what we're perceiving. You know, did they mean to do that? Uh, You know, the crew behind the series, or you know, is this is this maybe a a, a misfire? And I think for me, it comes on the heels of the Grand Inquisitor, uh, Spencer, who i found to be very menacing i want i know right, you right. have you have young kids i mean my kids are just now being exposed to uh uh rebels and uh they look at that guy and he's scary these guys yeah. they don't really know what to make of them
3: yeah i think they from a, a storytelling um function they really kind of fulfill the role of grint and Oresco, those two imperials who lost their he- heads um was it the end of last season or beginning of this one? Right. right. Um, so I, I think it, it's it's kind of from the team's perspective, it's probably a kind of way to give the our, our heroes somebody to fight um, that, that they can actually beat once in a while without having to beat Darth Vader.
2: Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, Dave, is, Filoni has said many times, you can't have Darth Vader shaking his fist to the sky as the ghost takes off every week. You can't, you know.
3: Yeah. I was really surprised, though, um, that Canaan uh, and Ezra so openly talk about what what their purpose is on the planet right in front of them, you know, that they're talking about, that they're there to yeah. find the secret secret base and all about what, what their mission is. It seems like that's giving away a little too much to the enemy. Yeah,
2: yeah well, we know that there... Um, I, I believe, Spencer, wasn't it in, in the previous episode that there is some sort of a... They, 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 the Inquisitors found out through the probe droid where they were heading, and what they were up to. Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting
1: to me exactly how the uh, Inquisitors keep showing up. Yeah. And um, they used the probe droid in this episode to kind of like look inside of the Jedi Temple and see what was going on there. But I think that probably um, the thing that struck me the most resonant with Uh, Star Wars lore is the same way that Luke Skywalker when they went to Endor kind of said I'm putting the whole mission in jeopardy because I'm here Mm -hmm. and Kanan sort of referenced that same sort of sentiment by saying potentially us being force users is creating a way for the inquisitors to track us and there will never be a way for us to find a secret base because we'll always be revealing ourselves because of our force sensitivity. Well,
2: wow, you right. know, that's, that's, a good, that's a good observation. I did not pick up on that. So if we follow that to conclusion, are we looking at a, at a day, at a time, when Kanan and Ezra, for the safety of Hera and the rest of the gang, need to distance themselves? Separate themselves? Well, I, it's kind
1: of what I was thinking about that because they did separate themselves. They they called ahead to the ghost and they had Hera meet them a little bit further out from the rest of the uh, rebellion, right? Mm-hmm. And then they said, call Ahsoka, get her there, and then... They left with Ahsoka without telling anybody else exactly what their plans are. So they recognize that they need to get some bigger answers, and they need to get away from everyone else because they are putting them in danger.
2: Jim, the uh, we we saw the sort of the animal whisperer um, <laughs> come back uh, with with Ezra, and you know, there's look, there's a lot of really fun and cool and interesting jedi powers from the mind trick to the ability to run really fast and uh, jump and all of that stuff uh, yeah, sabine does a lot of that stuff without being a force user but who's counting but there's so many great force powers is this one of them is this something that you want to see more of do you, i mean what is it with with ezra and and these animals and how many times can they go to the same the same well and keep it interesting well, I believe that each Jedi has a specific
0: ability that, they're, that they specialize in. Now, this is nothing new to Star Wars because we saw Anakin Skywalker display this ability in Episode 2. Remember when he caught the reek, he tamed the reek right there in the middle of the Geonosis battle of geonosis. I keep saying that since last week. Geonosh <laughs> Watch <laughs> up with that. <laughs> so in the middle of the Geonosis battle arena, he had he had tamed that reek instantly and he developed a connection with them. So we're seeing that similar skill being displayed yeah. by Ezra. Now, of course, Anakin Skywalker being the chosen one. He had a lot of specialties, you know. He was like across the board. He was the multi-tool player. But a guy like Ezra, who's really just sort of getting his feet on the ground as far as learning how to work his force abilities, he is he is tapped into this one thing he's really good at, and that is communicating with wild animals. And uh, so he's able to pull a Gandalf here. And I say Gandalf because if you remember in uh, Lord of the Rings, when he's imprisoned by Saruman on the top of that tower, he whispers at the moth and the moth takes off. And then Gandalf does the jump, the leap of faith, and a giant eagle or something like that picks him up and flies away with him. That's kind of similar to what we see going on here in uh, Rebels when the uh, Tibides... By the way, the greatest. I love that, and Thank you so much <laughs> Ad, for the, the backstory on that. That's sure. fantastic. But so the Timothee then takes them right over to the, the not the ghost, their, their little shuttle. And um, Phantom. the Phantom, yes. I wanted to say the Spectre. I, I love all the haunted mansion. Oh yeah! <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that's, it's so apropos because they need to be invisible. They right, need right. to be ghosts. They need to be specters. They need to be phantoms. They they cannot be revealed ever. And uh, and and so that's a nice little touch they put in there. But Ezra's ability to communicate or tame animals instantly, or make them um, make them perform according to his will. I think is a a very cool force ability. It's something that even goes back to the old EU with the uh, young Jedi Knights series that was written by Kevin Anderson and his wife. They, they featured a young Jason solo who had that ability as well. He could communicate with animals and wildlife or he could tame them instantly. So that's something that's been evolving throughout star Wars, both, in print and on screen and so now you really see it um being embodied and and perfected by ezra so yeah no jason i like it i i say bring more of it bring more of it yeah yeah make, make him the master you know make him really master this i think he's well on his way
3: I think you guys uh, were talking about it too, uh, maybe on uh, the the episode with uh, the uh, the Pergles about um, how it's it's similar to uh, Kylo Ren's uh, ability to uh, probe people's minds as well, um, and I th- I think that because uh, you know we saw him doing that with Rey in the Force Awakens, and I think that. It could be an interesting parallel there that they could be, you know, drawing on purpose, which gets to something uh, at, at the end of the episode I want to dive into. But I
2: ah, so what you're saying, Adam, is is this is this uh, foreshadowing, perhaps, of a, you know, right now it's it's uh, is, wait, is this is, are you saying that this is comparable to the kid that pulls the legs off of the caterpillars? Uh, and then later turns, you know, does this to humans. In this case, is Ezra entering the minds of these animals, and some, but someday will hone this skill and his ability to manipulate the minds of uh, of people. I think for
3: someone who is who we're being told uh, or being shown already that uh, he brushes with the dark side um, in some of these mm. abilities. I think it's definitely. Um, A foreshadowing, shadowing of a possible uh, direction that Ezra could go.
0: And that's amazing. Look at those examples I gave earlier of previous moments in Star Wars history where you were exposed to individuals who could do this to animals. Anakin Mm -hmm. Skywalker slid to the dark side. Jason Solo slid to the dark side.
2: Are we going down the same path right now? With uh, so reading animal minds may not be the the best no, indicator. Not, well, yeah, no, you know, I'm, I'm, that's I'm not, not
1: sure if it's I'm not sure if it's reading animal minds as much as what we're talking about is the ability to control control so animal minds. Right. If you control all, and you control hordes, you control. Herds, you control masses, and then you have this gigantic power over these things. Then it's it's just one small step away from using that power to control others.
2: Yes, and you know, not to uh, you know, go back to the expanded universe. I can't believe I'm bringing this up of all people. But <laughs> but uh, I, I recall in the Darth Plagueis novel. Uh, which is fabulous, I love it, Uh, they sort of allude to Palpatine's ability to control the minds of the Senate as well. So... Uh, that's, that's interesting. So this is uh, now, now all of a sudden I'm intrigued. Now I want to see more of this. Now, all of a sudden uh, I believe Dr. Doolittle would be the ultimate. Sith Lord. <laughs> nice.
0: Sure.
1: nice, Right. Hey man, we're just one small step away from
2: Aquaman turning to the dark side too. Right? For sure. For sure. He's next. Um, <laughs> so the scene where we see Anakin or yeah, well we do. We see Anakin, the hologram of Anakin, Adam, um, and Ahsoka's watching this, this old, you know, lightsaber uh, training video. Uh, Ezra seems, you know, to kind of keep this theme going about, you know, maybe Ezra is, is, is tempted or is attracted to uh, the dark without knowing it. I mean, he sees he's a little starstruck by this hologram of Anakin Skywalker.
3: Yeah, yeah. I I I think he is. You know, he's he doesn't have a lot of uh men, you know, mentors in his life, not like what, you know, Kanan or somebody would that that lived, uh, you know, at the Jedi Temple. So he's going to be intrigued by any new Jedi that he sees. Um yeah, and any anyone with the power and ability and authority is is going to be he's going to be drawn to them. So if we introduce new uh, authorities and uh, powers into his life, I think that that puts him at, at risk because it's it's a new choice of, okay, which way, which, you know, which fork am I going to take now?
2: You yeah, know, we also, you know, Adam, to keep going on with this is we get a little glimpse into Anakin's legacy. We hear uh, Ezra say that Kanan said Anakin Skywalker was the greatest warrior of the Clone Wars. So, uh, you know, we know that uh, clearly That the general public, the masses, or very few people, know about what happened to Anakin Skywalker. But we weren't necessarily clear on what his legacy was, you know, in terms of, we know that they don't know that he turned into Darth Vader, but we don't know what they know in terms of what happened to Anakin Skywalker. Um, But it sounds like his legacy is secure.
0: I like how Ezra walked in there, and he's like, "Oh, I've seen this one before."
2: (laughs) (laughs) She's watching that Hollywood recording. Yeah, right. Like it's a rerun of uh, the honeymoon. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I love this. This is the one when Ralph and (laughs)
1: There's, there's so many. I had so many wonderful feelings when in in this scene. I mean, number one, to hear Matt Lantern again. That was just Mm -hmm. beautiful to have him back um, in our Star Wars on TV. The second thing is it, it, it's Ahsoka having this connection to her past and having this fond memory and, and hearing the way that Anakin is talking about, you know, form four and some little adjustments that he's made. And he's totally like selling this, you know, instructional DVD, right? You know, he's totally <laughs> like, here we go. And, and he's, and I, it's funny because he's also wearing a different outfit than we'd ever seen him before. And I'm thinking to myself, Did the temple like PR department kind of like gussy him up for the photo shoot, you know, and kind of go, this is what we need to do for the show. It's like a
2: Jane Fonda workout video. Is that what (laughs)
1: exactly? Exactly. And Ezra's like, oh, yeah, I've seen this one, too. I love it. You know, my mom used to work out to this. It was so great. But I I had a question about this scene that I wanted to, to try and get some help from the logo that Anakin has on his tunic. In yeah. this hologram, also appears later in the temple in the dojo scene. And traditionally, that's from publishing. So Adam, you, you got to help us out here. <laughs> that's a publishing logo that is used to distinguish the legacy era. What does it mean now? Do we have any ideas about that at all?
3: Uh, I really don't. I thought it was something uh, something Republic Jedi-related uh so uh I I just assumed that but when you mentioned that there was another logo in the Jedi dojo as well we only got a few shots not to di- divert the conversation but I had no idea I've never seen that logo before so that that was another thing I wanted Now to ask Spencer you're is.
2: you're you're saying that this logo is is sort of an indicia for uh the legends material Um, legacy era. So what happens is,
1: if if you grab some of the different um, novels and the books, etc., they'll kind of like distinguish what era you're reading in by having a different logo. And there's usually like a bookmark type of an image on them. So traditionally, this logo is from the legacy era, which is 37 years after the Battle of Yavin. But I mean, Mm -hmm. now we have the canon stuff and we have the legends and so I don't know exactly how this logo integrates in with with our new canon and I didn't know if you guys had any sort of thoughts or feelings about that at all.
0: You know I think I've seen that 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 specific design being used to uh represent the Jedi Knights. It was a I, I've always considered it more of a Jedi Knight specific logo.
1: You know but, and I think now that you say that it, it does it i may it may have been on uh the clone war era obi-wan kenobi's um shoulder armor when he had some of the uh, he, has yeah. a, he has something similar to that but i thought it was like a publishing logo so i didn't know which way it went but we're probably we we're not going to get an answer right here but so i i might Spence, have digressed this i just little.
0: remembered i just remembered and you might have even been in the same room when this happened but a very enthusiastic star wars fan Uh, rushed up to me and um, put his arm around me and pulled his sleeve up at a show in Dallas. Pulled his sleeve up and he had this Jedi Knights logo. But it was a mirror image of what it was supposed to be. The tattoo artist had screwed (laughs) it up. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, he showed me the tattoo. And I, I took a photo with him. And the, the young man said, "Nice gun, sir,"
2: to me, and I was like, "Oh, thank you, son." <laughs> <laughs> I, I just did a little. I did a little googling here, and the best I can find is that that is the symbol of the Jedi Order. Yes. Uh, so those okay. that have the tattoo, uh, as Jimmy points out, uh, that's what they're claiming it is. Uh, so I, you know, I'm, I, 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 I don't. I can't vouch for sure, but. I'm sure that's what uh, the folks listening to this podcast are screaming at their speakers right now. (laughs) (laughs) They always are.
0: Hey, but here's my big question about this scene, is when Ezra started asking Ahsoka about Anakin, she Uh reveals to him that the last time she saw him, he was rushing off to save the Chancellor. Mm. So how do we... Find a place to put that into the Star Wars timeline. I know Henry Gilroy talked about this on Rebels Recon. Did you guys all see that?
2: I didn't see oh, it yeah. this week. I yeah. didn't see it this week. Yeah, yeah
0: there, there's information that Henry reveals about this episode. That's very it's it's very specific. And one of the things he said about that line was that Ahsoka wouldn't reveal to Ezra and Kanan that she had walked away from the Jedi Order at that moment. She just said the last time she saw Anakin, he was going to save the Chancellor. I'm just wondering where that fits into the Star Wars timeline. Of course, we saw Anakin have to... Didn't we see him have to attempt to... He obviously had to go rescue the Chancellor at the beginning of Revenge of the Sith. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. So, uh, So she could be referring to that. Or could she be referring to when he went to go save him from
2: Mace Windu. I was wondering the same thing. The same See, thing.
1: Here's, here's kind of what I thought. When, when I watched the Rebels recon, um, I believe it was Dave Filoni who said that um, Ahsoka can't lie and she's not going to tell a lie. So she wasn't going to say that the last time that she saw him was when she walked away from the Order because there was other missions and other things that she did in between that times. Right. And it was always Dave, Dave's sort of like plan is to bring the Clone Wars all the way up to the opening scrawl of episode three. Well, I think that what, he's, what they're really saying is that the last time that Ahsoka saw Anakin was right before the events of episode three. That's, that was my take right. from it and I thought it was just <clears throat> beautiful that, that there's still that association with them but not necessarily within the Jedi Order.
2: Yes, I, I right. think that's where I settled on it in my own mind was that we have to assume, uh, just like we have to assume that uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi went on some missions after his exile to Tatooine, that Anakin and Ahsoka still met up from time to time, kept in contact probably outside of the Jedi Order, which I think you know just adds more fuel to the fire that Anakin was distrustful of the Jedi Order for some time. And still had unresolved issues with the way that the uh, you know Ahsoka, that whole situation was handled. So the fact that they were still keeping in contact makes a lot of sense to me.
3: Yeah, and they've they've uh, Dave Filoni and the gang have showed us you know bits and pieces of those those unfinished Ahsoka stories. Um, I think there were there two arcs that we know about that Ahsoka would have been involved in that we haven't seen um, the actual episodes for, just the like the art and some unfinished animation. And um, so I, I have a feeling we'll even see those stories at some point uh, in some, some form of, of media, whether it's animation or a book or a comic or something.
2: I got to tell you, though, guys, not to be overly critical here, but the, I, I mean, I'm with you, Spencer. Uh, you know, it would have been great just hearing Matt Lanter, let alone, you know, seeing uh, kind of a, a Clone Wars era Anakin again. But I, I got to tell you, the model for this I, I thought I was looking at the little prince from Sophia the First. <laughs> uh, you know what though? I, I did specifically
1: think of, of of Jimmy in the opening of this episode when Ezra went over the uh, the edge and and uh-huh. his hair moved. So I mean, we're all good, right, Jimmy?
2: <laughs> <laughs> the hair was flowing, dude. You must have been happy as he was upside
1: down,
0: right there. Spencer is totally displaying the fact that he has a rich and vibrant history. With you and me, Jason,
1: <laughs> She's bringing
0: up the effort we, you know, I promoted on the show to bring faster, more intense to Star Wars animation, and I said if these guys are going to be up on top of some super powered train riding around and their hair is not moving, it loses that faster, more intense, which is George Lucas's mantra, right, for what makes Star Wars work. So. Um, I think, though, the message was finally heard because all of a sudden the character's hair started moving faster. Yeah, more yeah. and so good to see. Thanks, Spence, man, because the, <laughs> the tradition continues with Star Wars Rebels. And, and yeah, you know what? I'll wear that as a badge of honor. Thank you very much. Nice.
2: So, the, um, the thing that, uh, another thing that was interesting to me was when, along the lines of when she talked about seeing him last. Uh, yeah, Ezra asks what happened to him, and she said, "Well, uh, everything changed. The Jedi were destroyed, hunted by Inquisitors, or worse." It was funny to me that she talks about these Inquisitors. I guess this is really the proof that we need, or the the, the validation we need, that Inquisitors were part of the purge. That that was that was their mission mm-hmm. was purging out the Jedi. This was not something that was done later. This was something that was a, a movement, most likely uh, organized and, and executed by Darth Vader, and that they were really the officers. But the big reveal, which we might as well we might as well get into, oh, yeah. uh, uh, the, the fact that the Grand Inquisitor that we saw perish at the end of uh, Season 1, Adam, it turns out that he is a former... Jedi knight now question is Spencer you mentioned earlier about him being a temple guard do we have should we assume that he actually is or was a temple guard just because that's what that's what he's sort of inhabiting um in this vision do you mean white power ranger
1: or temple guard <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sorry about that. no it's all
2: right you know, it's all right
1: I, I think I think that we can take um a lot of these visions as extensions of reality. And I think right. that he really was a temple guard. And that actually will tell us a lot more about the Inquisitor and sort of like his storyline. Another sort of like visual clue, if you look at the Inquisitor and his sort of like um his his design, he's got these little like uh peanut butter cups Kind of like on his e- where his ears would be, sort of like a little earmuff type of design. And then the helmet mm. that the Temple Guard is wearing has that same design on it. And so I don't know if if that's a carry through or what. But up until this point, we've only seen the Temple Guard sort of like shrouded and wearing hoods. So yeah, and his
3: his shoulder armor and chest plate were were the same as he was as a as an inquisitor. Inquisitor just painted a different color and design. Ah, oh,
2: like okay. I-
1: So something else that's really interesting about the Temple Guard is that these guys are sort of like um, Navy SEALs. They're they're elite. And what happens is when they choose to um, or, or when they are chosen to become Temple Guards, they go above and beyond. They're shrouded themselves. Their identity is completely gone. So you think that the vows of being a Jedi are strict. The vows of being a Temple Guard are even more strict and so they 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 kind of lose their identity to a certain degree. And this is the type of zealot, you know, that can go, re- well, zealot, you know, by its the definition, it goes really, really far in the, maybe the wrong or the right direction. So what's happening here is the Inquisitor, as a temple guard, was so firmly entrenched in this sort of like belief system that he transition that right into the inquisitorial squad and he was out on the front lines taking these guys out and and uh, eliminating jedi so knowing a little bit more about the temple guard helps us give a little bit more about the dedication and the sort of like drive behind the grand inquisitor
2: and uh it what would have driven i mean what would have been the the thing can we speculate that would have driven him from his life as, as a guard to uh, becoming an Inquisitor? What, what would it have been? Why would he have betrayed the Order? Was he, is this a typical dark side seduction? Is this about survival? Uh, Jim, what do you think? Well, we saw it happen in the Clone Wars, didn't we? In the Umbara arc
0: with that um, Jedi Master Krell. Oh, oh yeah. Oh,
2: yes,
1: yeah. right, right.
0: Uh, Krell. Right, yeah. So, um, you know, the lure of the dark side was uh, quite a bit overwhelming. And if you listen closely to the dialogue from Yoda, what he says is that the shadow of the dark side fell upon all of the Jedi, essentially. I'm paraphrasing. Mm -hmm. In this episode, though, he, he says that all of the Jedi were lured by the dark side.
3: Yeah, he says they were all consumed by the dark side.
2: Yes. Right. So um, because they jumped into the war
0: because of the very nature of what they were participating in was completely unnatural for a pure force user, a force user who works in the light. And maybe this might explain something, you know, if you look at the big picture, because I like looking at what's happening here in Rebels. And I try to apply it to things we've learned from The Force Awakens. Number one, Leia did not pursue the path of a Jedi. Could it be that it was determined by Luke Skywalker that she couldn't follow the path of the Jedi because she was a warrior, first and foremost? That's what she knew, and that's what drove her. She was a military person, making her ineligible. I don't know. Maybe. The other thing I look at, too, is these revelations we're getting about Jedi temples. We know that Luke Skywalker was living in exile on Octu in a Jedi temple. Could that have been the original Jedi temple that he was searching for? Maybe. What kind of secrets are in there? Are we getting a little taste from what we're seeing here in Rebels? Maybe. Something interesting that Henry Gilroy brought up on Rebels Recon was that all of these visions we're seeing here in the temple, um, apparently none of it is real. It's actually Yoda communicating from Dagobah he's communicating with the Jedi in the temple via these visions all of these visions are being controlled by Yoda which I found to be very interesting I don't think I'm misinterpreting what Henry said in Rebels Recon Adam you saw it right?
3: Are- yeah yeah no I think, I think you're right on that uh, That he was saying this. this was through via Yoda Mm -hmm.
2: All right. So this was, you know, because I I was wondering, too, because why I was thinking, well, um, you know, why wouldn't Yoda be more uh, or the Inquisitor, even for that matter, be more uh, blue glowy thing. Right. Why wouldn't he be a spirit? Right. Uh, But this is a this is a different level of interaction with those from beyond. But it's interesting to me that if you're claiming that or if Henry is claiming that Yoda is conjuring this. Uh, How is he able to then uh, pull in the Inquisitor?
1: See, and I I didn't feel that Yoda was actually conjuring it. Jimmy, I understand what you're saying, but I felt like what what he was saying is that it was through Yoda that they were able to know all of these things. And so they were having connections. and, And with Ahsoka's sort of like her vision, which I won't talk about completely right now, with her vision, I felt like there was some of her own knowledge that was coming to light and shaping that experience. And it wasn't Yoda kind of like making all of that manifest. So they're in this temple. They're in this like sacred and holy ground. And not only are they in the temple, but they're in the sanctuary of the temple, which was another interesting part. They're in the basement of the Alamo. Right. Um, mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> so what happens is there's no basement in the Alamo.
1: <laughs> <laughs> when, when the Inquisitors show up and they start using their force and the the designs on the temple grounds turn red, it goes. They actually mention that they're going into the sanctuary and they're forcing their way in. Something else interesting about this is that Ahsoka refused to take part. And she said that she can't use the Force because she's no longer a Jedi. But in, on StarWars.com, it sort of, like, subtitles that image and says that Ahsoka doesn't participate in the temple opening ritual because she's no longer a Jedi. Mm. So she's not practicing anymore. She's not. That's not her, like, complete faith. And as such, she doesn't, like, participate in that temple, like, ideal. But what happened, that ritual, but when they get inside... It's through Yoda and through Yoda's influence that they're able to further tap into the things that they know and the things that they need to see and the things that need to happen to them so that they can continue on with their journeys. Mm right it uh it did kind of puzzle me that uh, she stepped
3: back because she's not a Jedi yet when the inquisitors came along uh, they were able to open it using uh, the dark side but that that brings into uh, something interesting about the temple itself I wanted to point out um, that there's there's a you know, typically I think we think of Jedi temples as the place where the light side of the force is active and, uh, you know, Sith temples, um, which we may may see later uh, and we've seen before in uh, the Clone Wars, is as, as a place where the dark side energy is active. But here we see something very interesting on Lothal where this temple... Channels light side and dark side energy; it's both yes. active there. Um, something uh, from uh, the the episode in season one when they first visit the temple on StarWars.com. It shows you a diagram of all the symbols and concentric rings around uh, the outside of the temple, and it says. That um, these symbols, they're symbols that represent the light side of the Force and the dark side of the Force, uh, and these the rings around the temple channel the Force energy, which is why when we see um, Jedi, you know, going in, we see the blue energy, but when we see Sith uh, going in, we see the red energy, so it it, it works with both. And uh, because of that, when I was actually writing um, the the visual guides, uh, I wanted to see if Lucasfilm would let me push it a little bit further uh, so when I, I wrote about um, the symbols the writing that's inside the temples and I, I just wrote that um, you know the, the ancient writing is something that was known to both light side and dark side users of the force um, that it's kind of a common common known uh, writing system for force users and Lucasfilm went with that and, and uh, put that in the book um, but so I see you see both things going on and you see you know there b- the the these inquisitors and the jedi are both uh, tapping in here um and there's something there's something very primal you know when when they go in the temple here they're we're going down to a new level level a lower level um which almost it, you know I almost wonder does this predate even you know Jedi Sith, how how old is this? Because we get those hier- hieroglyphics, you know, of the the loth wolf riders and whoever these ancient uh, oh, inhabitants wait, wait, what of
1: loth- was that? the There's, you mean there's wolves in there? Oh, really? I, yeah, I, that seems yeah, so uncharacteristic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: I, I i saw Mario Lemieux in there too weird <laughs> no, just a nod to Dave Filoni always inserting his personal interests in new Star wars
2: <laughs> and doing so very effectively and 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 I welcome it you know it's funny'cause i am I'm looking at uh, a shot on uh on star wars com uh, in inside the dojo and I see what looks to be a painting almost of the spire at the top of oh yeah general yeah. grievous's ship where the big Count, you know, Count Dooku, and um, or as my son calls him, "Dount Cuckoo, uh, <laughs> had his big Doubt Cuckoo. Yeah, he's cuckoo. Where um, they had their big standoff at the end of or at the beginning of episode three. Am, am I seeing things, or is that what that is?
1: Well, it also looks like the top of the uh, the Jedi Temple on Coruscant.
2: Oh, that's probably what it is. Okay, mm-hmm. so there's more than one spire in town. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, one of them spires. You know- so something else that really struck me about um, this, this experience of entering into the temple is I absolutely flipped out, crazy loved the Clone Wars animated series done by uh, Gendi. tell me right, Tartovsky, right? Tartakovsky, that's right. right. Tartakovsky. So those were like, what, 2005? Um, in, the, in the second series that they did, they had one that started out with Qui-Gon and young Annie at the Dagobah tree. And it was Yoda was having a vision yes. and, and Yoda saw Qui-Gon taking Annie to the Dagobah tree. And in this section, they, they talked about how he needed to have um, his trials. And so what, what happens is I felt like this was a section where they were having their trials. Now those trials that they talked about and they and they talked about them in that that animated series they had the trial of skill and the trial of courage the trial of the flesh and the last trial that Anakin had yet to face before he became a Jedi knight was the trial of the spirit and even Peel like jumps in and says facing the mirror mm. and and I felt like this episode was the trial of the spirit. Each one of these characters did a sort of like a facing of the mirror. And when Canaan was fighting and he realized that he had done everything that he could do, he stopped fighting and he was he was knighted. And in that ceremony, they used the exact same phrase from the Gendi series in rebels, by the right of the council, by the will of the force. And then, you know, the difference, it says, Dub thee I do Jedi, Knight of the Republic. That's the way they said. And I love that they brought that back in. And it, again, tied those series together for me because uh, even though those are, you know, in the legend status now, but I felt like this was each one of them facing the mirror.
2: Mm. Wow.
0: That was good stuff there, Spencer. That was incredible that you're able to reference all of that <laughs> what are you <laughs> what are you nuts you sit there oh, all
2: I, day long I, so, I let's, so let's so uh, let's jim let's talk a little bit about what ahsoka sees and experiences with with anakin so they're all they're all having their 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 trial of the spirit we could say and ahsoka i uh, do should we assume based on what we're seeing that this is the moment when she realizes once and for all that this, you know, black leather clad monster is her former master. Are we seeing the precise moment of realization where she finally is able to admit this to herself?
0: Her worst fears have been confirmed via the vision. Vision is so powerful, she knows that she, if, if she were to deny it, she'd make it a huge mistake. That's the truth to her. It's finally come true. Yeah, that's the confirmation. She sheds a tear. She feels She feels the pain, you know? Um, I thought it was a very powerful moment. Look what I become. Mm. Boom, Darth Vader. Yeah, why did you leave? Why did you leave? Like blaming her. Those, uh, and there is Anakin's attachment issues coming back to the surface yet again. Mm -hmm. Every relationship he has, right? he's so ultra-possessive because he is a control freak. That's the ultimate thing about Anakin. He's just so power-hungry. And with the Force being so powerful within him, the combination of the two just create the perfect storm. Boom. Hello, Darth Vader. Mm -hmm. Ahsoka sees the truth. We see it with her she screams in agony, and we feel her pain because we know that Ahsoka is going down the path and she's going to have to face the inevitable sooner or later. And um, and I think we know where that's going. Dave Filoni made a very telling remark in Rebels Recon. Again, I'm referring to it because I think it's absolutely invaluable to watch that that video on StarWars.com to get a full understanding of what's going on with this episode, but Filoni did say, we are coming to the end. Now, what do you mean by that? We can interpret it in many ways. I interpret it to mean that we are coming to the end of Ahsoka's storyline. And I think the inevitable is Vader plunging the saber right through her heart. Right through her heart. Yeah. It's a music. No.
2: Ky- Kylo Ren- <laughs> no, no, no. Kylo Ren style? We're not, we're not going
0: out on that. <laughs> yeah. No, no. We, 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 we. I, don't, I don't even know. But I fear for Ahsoka's uh, well being more than ever. I mean, how many years have we been asking? Uh, what was the, the main question? You know, how does Ahsoka die? Right. Weren't we always asking that from the second yeah. she popped up on the uh, scene with the snips? you know hey sky guy from the second she arrived on the scene we wanted to know yeah how long is she going to be around how does she die ashley (laughs) eckstein has been asked that question so many times she's just numb to it how does ahsoka die i think we we're going to get our answer here by the end of march i think we're just weeks away (laughs) (laughs) gosh what a bummer what a bummer to come to that realization
3: I really think dragging Yoda into it too. I mean, the more Yoda is involved with these characters, the the more it looks bad for them. Because it, I mean, then you, for Yoda to be actively involved with them and have the knowledge and then say the things that he does to Luke, um, I think it creates problems for their their, their the well being of these characters in the future. Well, I was
2: gonna oh, I was gonna, I was gonna, gonna, I was ask, gonna ask about that out very out thing. You have Yoda. Uh, As well as the Inquisitor, as the Temple Guard, advising that in this case, uh, or in most cases, fighting is not the answer. Fighting the Clone War is what destroyed the Jedi. Um, Kanan's uh, dedication to defending and fighting for Ezra is the path for Ezra to fall to the dark side, perhaps. Is that what we're left with? Are we left with, you know, a, a, a Jedi uh leadership that feels that their biggest mistake was 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 fighting a war or fighting for what they believe in?
0: Uh, oh, it's, it's like the message Yoda is, is saying is that it was it was absolutely unnatural for the Jedi to be involved in the war and just with their mere involvement they were Working for the dark side.
2: Well, but he, but but they expect him to. They expect Luke to not lay down his sword when it comes to his father. In fact, Luke goes against what Yoda and Obi Wan prescribe, which is to murder his father.
1: Yeah. Right, but it, it's, it's Here is some thoughts, and, and they're not completely formed. So maybe just bear with me a little bit. So I, I, I see that we have Yoda has gone through this change and Ahsoka references the change like he knew that it was coming. And, and at this point, Yoda may be the, the largest advocate for peace, mm. knowing that all of this fighting and all of this war has done nothing to bring balance to the force. It has thrown it even further out of balance and maybe he recognizes that the only true solution is a peaceful solution and they just need to do good until the moment is right for the right. chosen for the chosen one to bring that peace and and the only way that the chosen one can do that is when he realizes within himself that he is the is the chosen one and has been the whole time. Yeah. So even advocating Luke, it, it, he wasn't advocating Luke to fight. He was advocating Luke to to face. to to Don't, don't go in the Dagobah cave with your weapon because you know that's what's going to be in there is a weapon. You need to go in there and face the mirror. You need to face your father, and through that love,
2: things turn
1: around. I, I didn't say that very well at all, but this is kind of the, great.
2: Like, the yeah. good. I think you said it great. Adam, yeah. we see the father at the end of this. Um Darth Vader uh, as mm-hmm. Jim said, uh, of course, J- voiced by James Earl Jones, we should say Yoda also uh, voiced by Frank Oz. Um his his final words is uh you know, he's warned by one of his officers that the uh the the Jedi are uh uh, the, g- gaining more power. I think this is, yeah, they're growing in their power. He says, it will be their undoing. Is that because Vader senses that the more powerful Ezra gets, the more he's going to be drawn to the dark side? Or that they're less able to hide with as their power increases? What does he mean by growth in their power means it will be their undoing?
3: I, I, think, it, I think it's all of the above. I think uh, they're going to stick out like a th- sore thumb they're going to be drawn to the dark side uh through uh, hate and fear and aggression um they're they're just going to put a target on their back um and if if you notice when um when yoda is talking to ezra yoda is very visibly disappointed uh when ezra says oh we've already chosen we're going to fight um, and Yoda is only very begrudgingly gives, um, him the information that he needs. Um, yes, that's
2: true. It is yeah, begrudging. It's, yeah,
3: it's, it's, it's very much Yoda plays along because he knows, you know, well, it's up to these guys. Um, but he, he, it's he very, visibly doesn't look like he wants, wants to take them this route, but he does. And, uh, I think that that's important. Um, uh, but, uh, and also Ahsoka, um, just before she runs out of the temple herself, you notice she says, um, I think she says, there's there's still a way. And yeah. I don't, I, she's, she's not talking about a, a way out of the temple. She's not talking about a door. I think she's talking about a way to reach Anakin. Um, uh, a, redemption. Yeah, redemption. I think we're going to see Ahsoka go down a fool's errand to uh, re- rescue Anakin from this fate, and that may be her undoing.
2: Yeah, this may, may indeed, as I said to Jim earlier, uh, have shades of Kylo Ren and uh, Han Solo in it a little bit. Um, we've, seen, we've seen a successful uh, confrontation and redemption with Luke and Vader, uh, and now with the Force Awakens, we've seen an unsuccessful attempt. Uh, How will Ahsoka fare? Well, time will tell as we wind down season two. That's going to wrap up our look at Shroud of Darkness. This whole episode is shrouded in darkness. We're not quite sure where it's heading, but I think we do know it's going to be someplace very exciting uh, for us as Star Wars fans. Uh, Big thanks to our panelists, Adam Bray. Adam, congratulations on all your success as a Star Wars writer. Oh, thank you.
3: And, uh, yeah, everybody, please remember to uh, vote for uh, our new book, um, Star Wars, Absolutely Everything You Need to Know, with, um, let's see, who did I write that with? Michael Kogi and uh, Cole Horton. Um, and that's up for a Nickelodeon uh, Choice Award on uh, March 12th, so oh, please right. go to nick.com slash KCA and uh, cast your votes for favorite book, or um, vote for us on Twitter with uh, hashtag VoteStarWarsBooks and
2: hashtag KCA. And Adam, you have an appearance coming up in Jim's next neck, neck of the woods, right?
3: I do. I'm going to be uh, at uh, the C2E2 convention. Um, I think that's the weekend of March 18th, and I'll be on a talking on a Star Wars books panel with uh, a bunch of the folks from Del Rey. Oh, cool! I'll come hang with you. Awesome! Please do. that will be a good time.
2: And uh, Spencer, nice to have you back. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. You can uh, thank be- you. Spencer's artwork and uh, all things Spencer can be found at Studios. B3.com That's Anything right. coming uh, up that you want to let us know about? I'm
1: working right now on uh, launching a Kickstarter. I've got a, a partnership that I'm working on with Trends International, and uh, I have a How to Draw coin that I've uh, taught some little classes at the Star Wars Celebration events and other conventions. We've got a patent on the thing, and we're going to get it out there we we've got some other licenses signed up for it but i think we're going to launch on a kickstarter first and then we'll move from there so now i've said it out loud i have to actually follow through with it
2: i gotta tell you i really appreciate when artists like yourself and and others go on to to youtube and and do these tutorials for kids um my daughter's favorite thing in the world to do is to come home come home from school fire up the ipad and draw with all these different artists uh, on YouTube. And uh, just watching her grow as an artist and, uh, you know, being an artist is like learning to play an instrument. You got to learn the rules before you can improvise. And it's these uh, teachers on these these YouTube channels that are really teaching the rules and watching them, you know, compose their own works of art is really exciting. So... That's awesome, man. Good
1: luck. I think we had daughters uh, the same year. So turning eight this
2: year? Turning eight this year. Yes, sir. That's right. (laughs) All right. Thanks again, man. We'll love to have you back, of course. You betcha. And uh, Jimmy Mack, final thoughts. Shroud of Darkness. My head is hurting. My mind
0: is spent. There's a lot to think about with this episode. I feel exhausted, (laughs) and I feel like we've barely scratched the surface. I think Ahsoka totally has the ability to open up the Jedi Temple. She doesn't as a matter of principle. It would be sacrilegious to her and the Jedi Order for her to make that attempt. It's not that she couldn't do it. It's just that she wouldn't do it because she has principles and she stands up for what she believes in. She walked away from the Jedi Order back then and if it... You know, push came to shove, if she had to do it all over again today, she would do it again. She's, you know, her, her ability to stick to her principles really shines through with the fact that she refused to partake in that activity to open up the Jedi Temple. Um, speaking of the Jedi Temple, we're dealing with a lot of metaphor here, so what's real and what isn't? That's what makes my head hurt so much. <laughs> Most notably with the defeat of the inquisitors by those jedi temple guards which were apparently just specters in themselves but they disappeared they vanished in a flash of white light as those as the grand inquisitor and the other guardsmen close in on them so are we ever going to see them again <laughs> or are they just gone they weren't there when vader showed up at the end of the scene at the end of the show so i'm very puzzled by that Especially considering that those Guardsmen were all part of Canaan's vision to begin with. So I'm just kind of confused by that. I find it very interesting to learn that the Inquisitors are actually Jedi recruits. Somehow Vader or Palpatine were able to lure these Jedi to the dark side to make them Inquisitors. How does that happen? I believe all that happens during the Jedi Purge. And at times, instead of just killing Jedi, Vader would convert them to become essentially extensions of his will and the will of Palpatine and the dark side. That's my speculation right there. I thought it was great to have James Earl Jones back, great to have Frank Oz back. And the final words of Vader... The Jedi are growing in power; it will be their undoing. Um, I believe that he means that the more they grow in power, the easier they are going to be for him to track them down. It's gonna—he's looking at at their their growth in power is basically another way to smoke them out, and he's confident that he can defeat them when it comes down to it. So, wow. Um, what a... Such a strong episode. Such a great expansion of Star Wars mythology in one 22-minute animated TV show. I was blown away by this. And I can't wait to see where this goes. I hope that this is a storyline that continues through the rest of Season 2, taking us to that final night, that double-feature Last night of March. I think that's the last night of March. Isn't that when the uh, finale is Uh, March March 30th? We get the final two episodes. Could we be seeing the end of Ahsoka? That's something else that makes my head hurt. Even considering it at this point, after it was so great to see her return to Star Wars Animation and Rebels at the end of Season 1, the mere thought of losing her again? Hmm. I don't know if I can go down that path and keep... A sane head on my shoulders. Puff a pig, not in this episode.
2: All right, that's it. We'll see you guys next time here on uh, Rebel Force Radio, Rebels Declassified. Uh, for Rebels Declassified, I'm Jason and I'm Malacore. We didn't even talk about Malacore. No. It's not a man; it's a place. We'll find out more next week, I'm sure. All right, and remember, the Force will be with you always.